0: Whenever I think that, all this could be a difficult conversation to have with a patient or with their family, I always pray first. From the moment that we come to know Jesus and we need to just keep walking that walk, running that race, right to the end of our lives, and that is the important thing.
1: Jill Jackson and for those of you who don't know me, when I was 27 I had a major car accident in which my husband of 18 months died and I was badly injured and at times near death. Ever since then I've had a different view about life and death and I guess the journey I've been on over the past number of years has been to think more about how we're just not prepared for what is inevitable in our lives. I've never seen it since my accident as a morbid or taboo subject, but more as something we should think about and plan towards. After all, as a Christian and as Christians, we have a glorious future. One of my favourite verses in the Bible is, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Our clay pots may fade and eventually disintegrate altogether, but the real treasure is what remains. A few years ago, I attended a book festival and whilst waiting for the very interesting speaker to do a chat through about her latest book, I listened to a lady talking about her work within the hospice movement and a book she had written on death and dying. It was one of the best sessions I have ever been to at a book festival. I bought the book immediately and read it through. I found it utterly brilliant. And I have felt ever since then that people should have conversations with relatives, loved ones and friends about the subject of death. Someone else who feels passionately about the same thing is my guest today. Mrs. Cathy Lambert. Hello, Cathy.
0: Hi, Jill. Hi, Hi. everybody.
1: Now, Cathy, I think I'd like to know what your official job title is. I know that you're a nurse and I know you work in palliative care. But I'll get it wrong if I actually say what your um, job title is. So I'm over to
0: you. OK, well, I'm officially, I'm just a general nurse, but I work in two hospices. So I'm a staff nurse at uh, side Hospice, which is in Middlesbrough. Right. And I work there on the inpatient unit. And I also work as a bank nurse, which means that I just work when they need me. At St. Teresa's Hospice here in Darlington, and I mainly work on their rapid response, which is looking after people who have life limiting illnesses but who want to stay at home. So I look after them in their own homes in the community.
1: Great. So that will bring us on to the subject for today's podcast, which is death and dying. And before everybody runs for the hills and turns this off, please bear with us because. As my dad used to say, the only certain thing about your life is that one day you're going to die. Suss that bit out and you can get on with the rest of living. So that is what we're going to talk about. Grab yourselves a coffee and carry on listening. Job which you've been doing for a good number of years now. Should
0: yeah. we go into how many? I've been at Teesside Hospice for nearly 14 years. And before that I worked in another hospice in Versailles in France for about three and a half years. So I've been doing hospice work for quite a long time now, yeah. I'm passionate about it. I love it. And what yeah. why are you so passionate about it, Kathy? Because as a nurse, um you want to look after people their basic needs and i think when somebody is reaching the end of their life they're not worried about being cured of their disease they want to be kept comfortable and that is what i think basic nursing is all about and that's what i that's what i think i'm good at and also when people are frightened I'm able to just spend time with them. And in hospice work, you can do that. You can just spend time with people talking about whatever they want to talk about, whatever they might be afraid of, um, and just looking after their basic needs, which is what I think all nurses want to do. But so many people, so many nurses don't have that privilege anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's,
1: that's great. I think, do you think things over, over time have changed? Social history's changed. And that actually, although the pandemic's brought it central to us now, that in the past, um, dying happens in people's homes a lot more often. Mm-hmm. Then it's sort of more sanitized is what I'm trying to say now. That it happens in hospitals or care homes or places. And that actually it doesn't happen in homes so much. I know when my mum was little, my great granddad died on Christmas Day. She was only six, her brother was only four. And she knew something was going on because he died in my granddad's bed and he'd been there for days because that's what they did and they lived in a little village. And she remembers with my um, her brother sneaking into the front room where the Christmas tree was and the table would have been. And laying on the table wasn't the turkey, but my great-granddad, my mum's (laughs) great-granddad you know, and actually that was her first sort of experience. of. But it was part of the, you know, people came up and measured the body and, and did all of that in the home. Yeah. Do you think there's yeah. been a change in people's attitudes? I think there
0: really has been a change, and I think that's why people are so much more reluctant to talk about death and dying now, because, it, as you say, it's been sanitised, it's been clinicalised, it's been hospitalised... Um, it just doesn't seem the done thing to die in your own home anymore. Like it's not the done thing to be born in your own home. You, you get you get delivered by a midwife in a hospital. It's no longer the, the done thing to die in your own home either, whereas in days gone by, both of those things, they would happen in your own home. So the whole family would see it, would talk about it, it would just be part of what they knew, whereas now people don't know it and what you don't know, you're often afraid, afraid of. Afraid of. Yeah.
1: Do you yeah. find that um, patients, I don't know whether to call them patients or not these days. I call them my patients, yeah, the, ones I, pain, look at, the yeah. ones I look
0: after in the hospice, yeah. you mean yeah. 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 yeah.
1: yeah, the patients. Do you, do you find that that's the main thing, fear?
0: I don't think my patients are usually afraid of dying. I think by the time they often come to the hospice, they're beyond that. It's often their families who are more afraid of it because they don't know what to expect. So, yeah, I think people, when they know that they're dying, when they've had a bit of a chance to think about it, they seem to get over that fear bit and become more accepting of it and just want to make the most of the life that they've got left, and that is important. And that's one of the things that we help with in hospices is people are, people are often afraid of coming into the hospice. Yeah. They think, I'm going to the hospice, therefore I'm never going to come out again. But that isn't what hospices are about these days. Maybe they were, but that's not what they're about these days people often come into the hospice sometimes they do come in to end their lives in a peaceful comfortable environment but sometimes they come into the hospice to be looked after and have their symptoms sorted out so that they can then go home again and continue living um, I think I think I've gone off piste a bit here i'm no, just talking about what yeah. the hospice is no, no, all no, that,
1: about that's, that's absolutely fine because but, um, people are yeah. fearful, that, that fear thing and you people say, are fearful yeah. of
0: hospices and what that might mean as well and i think yeah. you're right
1: that when people understand it does help mm. i know mm. i read a book when my dad was dying and we knew he was dying i read a book that was so helpful to me about the process of dying which might sound morbid but you you know the woman who wrote it yeah it yeah. is such a good <laughs> book it's so uplifting and yeah. I've heard her speak and yeah she is so she makes play you know the whole thing almost joyful in a very I can't explain exactly how but yeah, it's not morbid it's not morbid no, it's, no. it's about celebrating whatever stage of life people are at mm that they make a good end i suppose that's it isn't it that's right and the bible talks in ecclesiastes about a time to be born and a time to die Mm.
0: yeah and
1: just as there's a process to birth there is a process to death yeah and i was so privileged to have a conversation with my dad about that when he knew he was dying Mm. about that that helped take away some of the fear and uncertainty Mm. Mm um about about it are you allowed kathy this is a slightly different difficult question are you allowed to introduce your faith into
0: what you do these days with all the protocols Um, not really that that is a big disappointment to me these days when i was working in france i was working in a hospice which was run by nuns so when people came into that hospice, they knew that it was more of a religious institution. And it wasn't the NHS, of course, because you don't have the NHS in France. So there, I did feel able to introduce my faith into my work much more than I feel that I am now. There is, that is, for me, that is a bit of fear. Um, if I were to say, tell people what I believe and that I'm a Christian... Um I might get prosecuted. I might get struck off because there are so many complaints from about Christians who talk about their faith, not necessarily in a, a gung- ho way, but there are there are Christians who are, I think persecuted is a bit of a strong word. But um, when they share their faith in any way, there are complaints made about them. And uh, their job is put on the line. So I'm not allowed to say it up front, but I do often manage to wrangle it into the conversation a little bit. Um, and it's up to the patient then to bring it up into further conversation and then I feel, right, they've given me the permission. So, yeah, it, it has that, to come from the patient, really. from the pa- I think that's mm, the way the mm, world's going generally yeah, yeah. in terms of
1: People are so nervous about introducing religion in mm. any other form. Mm. Then it, it, it becomes difficult, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. How does your faith, Kathy, help you with people who you're
0: working with? Do you mean my colleagues or my cl- or my oh, patients? Exactly. yeah. I mean, I, I don't feel that my patients are my mission field but my colleagues possibly are <laughs> they're the ones that have the chance to get to know me for yes. they know me they know that they know that i'm a christian yeah i've made no bones about telling them that they know that i love jesus so how does it help me knowing whenever i think that all oh, this could be a difficult conversation to have with a patient or with their family I always pray first, knowing that God is by my side, giving me the words to say, giving me the the way to do what I need to do, telling me how to do it. Yeah, well, he's he's great. He is often my hands. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's really Jesus good. is my hands yeah. and hopefully, and my voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah when I'm at work.
1: In terms of them um, addressing sort of if we want to really open up this subject, how do you think people can actually talk about, you know, their death and dying and that sort of thing? What do you think is a way into
0: it? To understand that is it is natural, it's going to come to all of us. You mentioned the book, which... Yes. <laughs> um, it's one of my favourite books. I've read it several times, and I give it to people. It's a book that I think that everybody should read. It's and it's not the Bible. It's a book called um, "With the End in Mind" by a lady called Catherine Mannix, who is a palliative care consultant in the northeast. I'm not actually sure if she's from the northeast, but she works in the northeast, um, in Newcastle, I believe. And the book that she wrote. It, as you said, it just explains the process of naturally dying. Like you're nat—you know what's going to happen as a woman. You know what's going to happen when you give birth. As a as a human being, I think it's good to know what naturally happens when you are naturally reaching the end of your life, and you are going to die. You're going to breathe your last, and it's not something to be afraid of. Um, so I think. Um, just reading the book with the end in mind by Catherine Mannix really helps Um, and she just reading her book has helped me to talk to people about what to expect and I think it's the not knowing what to expect that makes people afraid and I think when you know what to expect then you you don't feel so afraid or, or families don't feel so afraid anyway because they know what to expect. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I could tell you all of the uh, things to watch out no, for if you no, like. No, 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 <laughs> no that's, it's fine. Uh, we,
1: we don't get royalties, by the way. But <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Up this book,
0: but I don't get royalties.
1: Now, the work you do is obviously with people who die at various stages, at various mm-hmm. ages of their mm-hmm. lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, But not everybody dies in the same way. No. Um, for instance, there are people who. Um, die in a in an accident which is what happened to my husband when i was 27 so that's a sudden death it's very very different Mm. to to come to terms with and then there are people who you know there are babies who die there are people who die after having dementia for a number of years i was just thinking about these things And there are people who sadly commit suicide for one reason or another Mm. because they can't go on in this life yeah And I think all of those um, people react to in different ways. Now, I don't totally want him to get into the grieving process, but I wanted to say that one of the things that helped me is I knew what my husband's wishes were for both his funeral and what to do with the body. You know, just be completely honest about it. And I think that's one of the conversations that might help people Mm. is if you know what the person wanted afterwards, what sort of celebration, yeah. we're bombarded by these adverts on telly now. You know, you can't watch an advert without being insurance for your funeral or insurance for this or um, these cremation ones. You take out the fuss and let your family have a good time on all your money sort of thing. <laughs> and then, um, you know, which is great because a lot of people these days have no faith. But I think talking about those things... Are important.
0: Would, what would you think that? I think so. And you, I mean, you're, you're talking about your husband. Yeah. And he had no idea that he was going to die when he died. Exactly. It was so sudden. So that is good that he had mm-hmm. spoken about it with you before anything happened. So he was fit and healthy. It's good to have those conversations with your loved ones while you're still fit and healthy, while you are of. I could say of sound mind. You can. You. It was can, a m- almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's when you know what you want. When you can. When you have a chance to think about what you want, and it, they don't have to be rushed conversations either. I think it's. They do have what they call. Um, are they called death cafes? That makes it sound really morbid. Yeah. But you get together with your friends, with a cup of coffee. And you talk about what do I want when I've died? What do I want at my funeral? Or if I were to become terminally ill and no longer able to say what sort of care I want, whether I would want resuscitating, do I want to die in hospital or would I rather die at home? It's good to be able to have those sorts of conversations when you've got a chance to think about it and discuss it with your friends and family so that they know A lot of people that I meet, they say, I wish I knew what he would have wanted or she would have wanted because they've been scared to talk about death and dying because it's a a taboo subject. So then they're actually left wondering.
1: When that needn't have
0: happened, they could have had a chat about it. And it would have made them feel better about the person who has died and, and and it helps them with their grief process as well afterwards, I think if they knew that they'd done what that person would have wanted.
1: Yes, um, I think tidying up some of the legal stuff too. Mm, making a will is a very simple thing to yeah, do. Yeah. But if you've got children and you're young and you, you think you're going to live forever, but what would you want to happen to your most precious possessions, yeah. your kids, if you died in yeah. having those conversations, yeah. I think is
0: important too. So many people say, oh, what's the point of making a will? I've got nothing to leave to anybody. But actually, you have, and there are things called. Um, I think they're called digital wills as well now. Like you've got all your photos on your phone. How is your loved one going to get hold of your photos on your phone when the only way you can access them is with your thumbprint? You know, so there are there are ways and means of leaving a digital will as well. So memories, things that you've got on your phone, films, photos other things that you might want to leave to people with memories on them. Um, Those are the sorts of things that I think people need to have discussions about. Yeah, it's not all about money. It's it's not all about money and physical possessions necessarily. No. Yeah, so those are things that people need to talk about as well. And I think however
1: young you are, if you have, you know, things, everybody's got things like that, They, Mm. they leave. And it's not just about that, but also... I think knowing people's wishes does help with mm. the grief. Yeah. Because at yeah. least you know you're doing the right thing for that person at the very end of yeah. their lives.
0: Yeah.
1: I celebrated, this sounds off-piste, but go with it. I celebrated Burns Night recently, 25th of January. And the whole reason why Burns Night was invented wasn't because of Burns' death. His friends got together five years after he died and thought about, how they would celebrate his life and that got me thinking if all my friends got together five years after I died what would I like them to do to celebrate my life mm. and I think it's, it's it's that it's that kind of thing about sorting all that out so the people left behind who might be grief stricken you're not hassling them with well, how on earth do I close their bank account?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I think that's an important thing, however old the person is, to kind yeah. of sort
0: out. It's good to have a file. I think it's good to have a file that you tell people where it is and it's got all the important things in it, like the, the cat's vet, for example, uh, yeah, And as you say, how to, what is your bank account? What are your bank details? Where is my will left? It's good to have a file. I was, looking, I was listening to a podcast the other day by a lady who is a Christian, but it wasn't about death and dying. She she talks about personal finance. And she was talking about have a file where everybody know or all your, not everybody, <laughs> but all of your loved ones, where they know where the important documents are. You need yeah. to you need to have that sort of thing sorted out. Yeah, yeah. It's, we're getting a bit off piece here, we aren't we? Sli- <laughs>
1: we have got slightly off piece, but I think these are things that will help people. Yeah, because yeah. that might be a way into conversation for people. Yeah, because sitting down with a cup of coffee and just talking about right, this is what is going to happen when I die, isn't the actual sort of thing we naturally do. No, but these are all ways in for people. To, you know, to talk about
0: it, I yeah, think. Yeah.
1: And I think also um, we need to, It's the celebration of living is the thing to talk about too as well. Mm. You have mm. a life that goes on whenever it, it stops. Once you've sussed that bit, as I said at the beginning, once you've done that. Now, as a Christian, what do you
0: believe about death? Is that, that is, is that a question for me? Is that a question? It's funny yeah. you should say that, Jill. Actually, <laughs> it makes it sound like we've really we've really planned this. But yeah, um, we had a, a Bible study on Tuesday, which started this week, and the first subject was talking about dust. So from dust you come, and from dust you will return. It was fascinating. It was really, really yeah, and mike mike coltman was saying we need to remember that our bodies they're just a rental we're going to have to give them back one day (laughs)
1: yeah my favorite verse is we have this treasure in jars of
0: clay yeah yeah
1: and our jar of clay might be shattered and broken and
0: getting weak about the knees but actually the treasure is within that's right exactly exactly and we live for our heavenly father Yeah. Don't we? You know, that's the important thing in our lives. Um, And we can do that from the moment that we come to know Jesus and we need to just keep walking that walk, running that race, right to the end of our lives. And that is the important thing, Um, sticking with Jesus right to the very end. Um, And we can do that. You know, we, we just keep our eyes fixed on him, right, you know, all the time.
1: Yeah, and that that's one day thing, the trumpet it? will sound and the dead will be raised and our lighter momentary troubles will have a glory that far exceeds them all Yeah, with our Father in heaven. Yeah, Thank you, Kathy. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I know the subject we've really just touched the tip of today about death and dying, but I thank you, Father, that you build it into your word that we are dust and to dust we go back that one day we will be with you in glory if we are a Christian. Father, I thank you that you have saved me. And I ask for the people listening, Father, to this, that they might come to know you too. Father, I ask for your comfort and wisdom for everybody as they deal with this subject and take it into conversations in the next few weeks and months. Amen. We've only just scratched the surface of this subject today and Kathy will join us in the studio again to talk more about the subject later. I do understand that for some people this subject may have been difficult but remember, as the advert says, it's good to talk.